Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and playoff episodes just kind of hit different. It doesn't matter how tired you are before it starts, the second we hear that on our video screen, it just it, it clicks into gear, and I'm excited to talk Pens Rangers Game 1 review, which is where we'll start. We'll then preview tonight's matchup for Game 2. It, it already feels like they've played five games at this point as Game 1 went to the triple overtime. And then, of course, we'll finish it off with shout-outs and call-outs. You know, that sticks around 24-7, 365, no matter if it's the playoffs or it's the offseason. But Pens Rangers Game 1 is where we're going to start, Horwat. And, jeez, like, how are we awake at this point after watching that? Uh, buddy, I'm not. I'm still very tired. <laughs> then again, it's also 9 in the mor- 9.30 in the morning over here. Yeah, <clears throat> But... Um, man, that game. Yeah, first things first, uh, big shout-out to Louis Domingue. Big shout-out mm-hmm. to the entire Penguins team for pulling together and getting an overtime win to start a series yeah. for once. It's not – It's I wrote a story on this on uh, Sports Illustrated. Big, big old shout-out for us. <laughs> um, that's That doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. The last three playoffs have gone into game one overtimes, and we know what happened in all three of those series. Mm-hmm. We don't stop talking about yeah. it. This is a bit of a change of pace. I'm not saying we're going to win the series, but you know what? We won that game, and we took that game one lead. Um, it's huge. We haven't won a game one since 2018, and somehow it's the Capitals series, not the Flyers series. Mm-hmm. 
that being said, it's just important to win that game one, no matter how it's done, no matter how long it takes. And, man, you starting off with these playoff episodes hit different? Oh, man, come on. Why you gotta bring Ricard Raquel into this? It's his birthday. Yeah, of course, there are so many big things that happened in that game. Big storylines, yeah. big topics, and that is the first one that really, I mean, hit home for the Pittsburgh Penguins. For this entire game, it was a, what, six period game and this happened way back in the middle of the first period Ryan Lindgren lines up Ricard Raquel hits him from what appeared to be high in the head left his feet Raquel is down obviously some of the some of the images that they kept showing on ESPN it, it doesn't look good with him being able to get unable to get up face down on the ice being having to be helped off by Crosby and uh, another penguin I can't remember exactly who it was but to first have it as a five-minute major go to commercial break and then have Toronto come back and reverse the call, make it a two-minute minor. I don't think refereeing was good at all in the entire game on both sides, but that was clearly the most blatantly missed call. Welcome to the NHL postseason, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. So, here's another theory. Not only was that just a bad mis- mishandling of the situation, mm-hmm. in a normal NHL hockey game, how many penalties are called? Five, I would say. Probably the average. About how long is a normal NHL hockey game? Three periods? Yes. How many overtimes did we play? Two and a half. I don't even remember how long into the third overtime the Penguins scored. Law of ratio here. You mean to tell me they played almost a second entire game without a penalty? Now, in defense of them, it's overtime. Things slow down. Play get played way differently. But the NHL officiating is just bad. And I think any time a game goes into a multiple overtime, you've realize it because again law of ratios there should be something somewhere just because there's always penalties that being said also the fact that i was able to go to a concert and come home and finish watching (laughs) this game disgusting games shouldn't be going that long either i texted you when some 41 went on stage and i said listen you're probably going to be able to catch the rest of this game at home and you're like i doubt it they just went on stage and that was at the beginning of the first overtime and all of a sudden, you're, you're FaceTiming me in between the second and third overtime saying, yeah. yeah, we're home, the concert's over, so I guess we're ready for third overtime. Yeah, and you know what? That that FaceTime worked out. I told you. Yeah. I, half the reason I did is because last time we did it, we won a game. So, <laughs> um, get ready for more FaceTimes from me. <laughs> Two. Yeah, it's it was very reminiscent of, not a Penguins overtime, but I mean... The Penguins have long overtime games that can be discussed, but I'm thinking more personally of the Tampa Bay Lightning, Columbus Blue Jackets overtime in the bubble when that game started. I think I was able to watch the entire first period. I was able to then go to my grandfather's birthday party Mm -hmm. uh, and then come back and watch two entire overtimes. Yeah. It's, it was very reminiscent of that. I mean, granted, I wasn't able to like start the game from home, go to the concert and then finish it, but... Still, like we, me and Megan had it up on our phones. We were watching. It's not like we weren't paying attention. Yeah. Um, but I, like the show started at seven, puck dropped at seven. Yeah. And and whatever show ended at ten thirty, so whatever time the the game went on till I was able to get home. It was quite impressive. It was like it was almost midnight. I think it was like eleven forty eight at night. Whenever they they finally scored, but just the entire game, it was like a soap opera of a game. Like we mentioned. I mean, the refereeing was not great. Early on, John Marino t- took an Aaron elbow by Alexi Lafreniere, who came in hot. I mean, the entire Rangers team came out 
like a house of fire. They were really good in the first period, especially, I mean, Ryan Reeves was making an impact. That was great on his part. He disappeared the rest of the game, but the kid line, as we'll talk about a little bit later, of Lafreniere, Heedle, and uh, Capo Caco, they actually looked really good in that game. I know that I said that I thought that was the biggest mismatch for the Penguins, is that's probably the best bottom six line in this series. And they had a lot of good moments in that game. But, I mean, there's the Lafreniere elbow on Marino. On the same play as the Raquel hit, Jake Gensel gets boarded at the end of the play, and the refs just kind of don't see it. Um, and then on the Penguins' side, I mean, there, there's a play of Crosby slashing uh, Lafreniere way after the whistle in the back of the leg. There's a lot of missed calls there. But at the end of the day, that's that's refereeing. And you mentioned the fact that there were no calls in overtime in any of the three overtimes. That's I'm okay with that if you're going to be consistent with it. If you came out in the first overtime, made a call, made like two calls on one side and said, you know what, we don't want this game ending on a power play. We want it ending at five on five. That's when I'd have an issue. But the second it went into overtime, they were basically saying, you have to basically commit murder at this point to be put in the box. And I, to a point, I do kind of respect that because they're saying, listen, you're going to play. And the game is slower, so the danger for the players is a little bit lower than it would be in like a regulation if they decided to do that. And they were just basically saying, listen, if you guys can respect each other enough to not kill each other, we're going to let you play five on five until you figure this out. And I kind of respect that to a point. But in regulation, the refereeing was awful because it was inconsistent. And that's when I have issues. Yeah, and I get they're not going to call penalties in overtime. I do understand it. It's just dumb. It's yeah. dumb because you know what it is? You know what that is? That's the ref. That's, that's turning it into a ref show. Well. Regardless of if there's no calls or not. Because the thing is... When a penalty is committed, that's supposed to be a penalty called, and then it is supposed to give that team a disadvantage. When you're not giving that team a disadvantage, you're kind of giving an advantage to that team. Yeah. So it's become, in theory, becoming a ref show. Sorry, there's a lot of issues going on with umpires right now. Yeah. And the and ump show just continues to be popping off of my timeline. So calling hockey a ref show because it it let's be honest, it can be. Yeah. Um, and. Ryan Lindgren not getting tossed from the game or suspended is part of it. Mm -hmm. Two minutes, two minutes, two minutes. Yeah. Point of contact was the head. Elbow or not, who cares? He left his feet. Uh, Point of contact was the head. The puck was gone. Puck was gone. Point of contact was also the head. Yeah. I don't know how much more. I I think you're trying to make a point here. A little bit, (laughs) but uh, I I texted you or sent it to you before the Pens game, before our game one, that NHL player safety is going to be busy this playoffs. Yeah. They After day one of the postseason on uh, May 2nd, they had what? They sent out like four or five fines? And a suspension. And a suspension? Holy hell! Yeah. And then nothing game day two, by the way. Just zilch. Well, there's going to be something potentially day three because if you saw, and it'll be my call out. So we'll get into that uh, right. later in the show. But, no, the rest of the game, though, if you take it away from the referees, which we're going to have to obviously talk about a little bit more because they inserted themselves late in the third period. But let's talk a little bit about the players that actually mean something that people tune into to watch the game. How about the Gensel and Crosby connection? I mean, everybody's question was, hey, Jake Gensel was great in 2017, had a good series against Philly in 2018, but hasn't done anything in the four playoff series since. Well, he comes out. Scores two goals. He has the fourth most goals of any active player, I believe, is what the stat... I don't know. Something ridiculous that he is one of the best goal scorers in recent memory for the NHL playoffs. He gets two goals. Crosby, two beautiful assists on both of them. And all of a sudden, the Penguins dig back 
from a 2 to nothing hole, and Igor looks a little bit human, even though the rest of the game, he really wasn't. Yeah, it's... We do know he's human in that net. We do know Jake Gensel is just an incredible goal scorer, especially in the postseason. Yeah. Who cares about the last three years? I, I mean, mean, he's a 40-goal guy this year, so it's not just the postseason at this point. Yeah, I mean, plus, whenever I say who cares about the last three years, everyone does. Yeah. But at the same time, just look at the situations here. Uh, the sweep year, no one played good and we got swept. He didn't have more than four games to get himself going. Uh, bubble year, he was injured. He, he just was probably he, still. It was his first game he, since December 31st, whenever he separated his shoulder. Yeah, he was probably still kind of coming off of that. Mm-hmm. It, definitely coming in cold, so pass. That was like this. That's his only pass year, I would say. Yeah. And then last and year, not was producing bad. in the last three. And then last year, no one was good. Tristan Jari yeah. amongst them. So, well, yeah, I would so say I the think, team was good, but I think Gensel was just typecast in, in a different role where he was trying to play in front, and, and the Islanders were, I mean, Pelik and Pulak were just beating them up. But that's a different story for a different day. Yeah, but that being said, all of it just the team looks better around him as well. So the entirety of the Penguins lineup being able to help each other out, it's gonna take an entire village this year. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to take an entire village. We had to have a college kid practice with us in the big storyline that we're going to get to in a moment. But the entire team looks so much better this year already. Mm -hmm. We've seen basically two games, so we know that they're able to rebound. They're able to bounce back from what was a deficit. And, again, that's not how you want to be playing your games, right? You don't want to be playing from behind. But... uh, being able to pull out the victory in game one in overtime in a triple overtime being able to collect a game one victory for the first time since 2018 things are looking positive we've oh, yeah. proved that we, we're gonna be a this isn't gonna be an easy series yeah i mean both of us said pens and seven uh so far that's right <laughs> yeah. um it'll be just entertaining from beginning to end and I'm excited for it. What did I say, by the way? Adam Fox, he's going to be the difficult one. So, and here's the thing. You saw after the first period, a lot of people, I know Josh Yoey, chief among them, put out, you know, the Penguins are getting bullied. This would, you know, you're going to see a shift to where, like, I understand where he's coming from. I think it was taken a little out of context. When he said that, I feel like people were thinking, oh, we're getting a bunch of bizzes. We're getting a bunch of Ryan Reeves. No, he's talking about somebody like Adam Fox, who, while he's not good at in front of his own net, there were a couple times where instead of just trying to stick check, which is the Penguins' entire defensive you know, motto, he takes the body. And I think that's what Josh Yoey is trying to get at. This Penguins team, and it is by design, they don't take the body very often. If they do, it's a light hit. But when they have guys lined up, they don't hit them because they're trying not to get shorthanded. That's what they're trying to do because they have to keep their guys on the ice so they don't want to hit. And eventually... You have to change that, especially in the postseason. But right now, that's how this game and that's how this team is built. And that's how they've been taught to play. So you're going to see on the other side, guys like Ryan Reeves, Alexi Lafreniere, even Capo Caco and Adam Fox. They're going to be finishing off their checks. And they're going to be coming in late like Ryan Lindgren did and kind of pushing the envelope for interference. But that's because that's the way they're, they're taught. That's the way Gerard Gallant wants them to play. The Penguins, on the other hand, Sullivan... He doesn't want to push the envelope because he wants to keep this at five on five because the Penguins have that advantage and you saw that in game one. Yeah, they do. It's it's a smart advantage. And, man, I'm just going to say it too. 
Talk about finishing off your plays. We got lucky with that goalie interference call. That could, I think that went 50 50 because it, the, could, it genuinely could have gone 50 50. Yeah. yeah. But that's the thing. Man, just because no one knows the rules of yeah. goaltender interference. No inconsistency. One. It's very inconsistent. I just think we happen to fall on the right side of the coin that time. Yeah. Because I'm not going to stand by that it was goalie interference. I'm not going to stand by that it wasn't for a couple of reasons. Uh, primary being, it's just hard to do goaltender interference when you don't know the ex- when the, the officials don't seem to know either. Yeah. Most of the time. So could it have been goalie interference? Sure. Could it have also not have been? Mm-hmm. Probably. I mean, to be fair, I think um, – if anyone remembers tw- the the overtime of the sweep, the 2019 playoffs, I thought there was more of a goaltender interference on that overtime goal than I just saw the other night here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that one didn't get called back. So, yeah. And that one was uh, Matt Barzell quite literally sitting on Matt Murray. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that pissed me off for days. But, you know, I just think the NHL officiating, like how we are not going to stop talking about for the next hour long this playoffs takes – um, it's going to be inconsistent. And that was just part of the inconsistencies, and the Penguins, for what it's worth, may have just gotten away with one, and we used it to use it to our favor and our advantage. I, yeah, I don't think it was clear either way, and that's the thing. There, there's people on each, either side of the coin. There's Penguins fans saying, you know, that was clear. I don't know why anybody's upset about that. And there's Rangers fans that are rightfully so is saying, like, it was not. Like, you could see Dumoulin push him. It's very close because there is contact between Dumoulin and uh, it was Capo Caco. But then, you know, Capo Caco, if he wasn't even touched, he probably still would have ran over Casey to Smith at that point. It's very difficult, and that's why there's people that have probably played a lot of money in the Situation Room in Toronto. And that's the other thing. These referees, it is now given to them where they don't have to make this call incorrectly in the moment. Hence the reason the first period where you saw, hey, it's five-minute major, Uh, and then we're going to take a break because Toronto, that's what they can do now. We're going to reverse it because it's so much easier to call it a five and bring it back to a two than to call it a two and then to be like, yeah, by the way, now it's five. And then the same thing here. They called it a goal, and then they said, all right, Toronto, we need a little bit of help because that's very close and hard to see in real time, and Toronto's going to make those decisions. And in this instance, one went in the favor of the Rangers – and one went in the favor of the Penguins. It's just at the timing, it, it seems like it, it favors the Penguins because of when those two discrepancies happened. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I still just think we may have just gotten away. We just got got passed with one. Yeah. Uh, and that's not even taking in the Rangers playing to a, into account because – or the Rangers hit into account because, yeah, I mean, was it Tim Peel? Was it Tim Peel last year? Whoever it was, I was literally caught on mic saying, yeah. ah, I just need to make this even even up call. Yeah, Tim Peel, who's no man. longer in the league. But tweeting a lot. But tweeting a lot, yes. That's a brave oh, man, man just... right there. But, that, I mean, that, uh, he was, to he do was, it afterwards, I guess. Is he got burned. I, I, I don't blame him. Yeah. Let's be real. He got burned for doing his job rather incorrectly. Yeah. Uh, he still got burned for it. Apparently he was on his way out anyway, but still. Yeah, but nonetheless. Um, the other thing that I wanted to discuss really quickly, we don't have to get too deep into it because it is the Rangers side of things, but I did think that kid line, and I mentioned it on Monday, before that game, I was like, you know, that line's going to be an issue because you look at the Penguins' bottom six, and we'll talk about it in a little bit. Jeff Carter looked lost the entire game. Brian Boyle is a little bit, you know, a step slower. So when these young, all first-round picks – go out on the ice, they're going to have a little bit of an advantage, especially when it comes to speed and skill, because these are all guys that were expected to be top six guys within the first couple of years of their 
you know, careers, but instead they're on a third line. And I think that if they can find finish, which I listened to uh, Nick Zoraris of Locked On Rangers, he was on with uh, our friend Hunter on Locked On Pens, and he said that's their issue. They're great with everything except for finishing, which sounds like the entire Pittsburgh Penguins roster. But if they can do that, that's when they become an X factor in the series. And I thought they had it there late in the third period. It was a great play by Kako, nonetheless, to drive the net. And then also to, to be able to, on the ground, just shuffle it over to Heedle the way he did. A lot of skill there. It's unfortunate for them that it got called back. But that line is going to be a factor going forward in this series. Yeah, they are. They absolutely are. Because, I mean, I'm just trying to look at the numbers here. They didn't have great underlying numbers, and they really didn't score. I don't think they scored any goals, but they also didn't allow any goals. So they were okay. Uh, The the stat line and the numbers don't really factor in, but eye test-wise, what I saw was pretty impressive from those three. Yeah, and beyond them, I mean, Kreider got a couple shorthanded one. Or he got one. Sorry, Sabinajag got a couple assists. So their guys are also producing themselves, but... Um, it's always those depth lines. Whether they produce or not, it is about just playing good, solid hockey, and that's exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. They could have had a goal themselves, too. Again, 50-50 call, going either way. Um, yeah, that's going to be a problem, because even if your depth isn't producing, we've the Penguins have seen it. When your depth isn't producing, it's one thing, but it's another when they're not producing and being downright not into the game. Yeah. Um, if your depth doesn't produce but it is at least kind of driving an opportunity and swinging momentum one way or the other because momentum is huge in the postseason, that's an effective line. Yeah, They don't have to put up points, goals, assists, even shots on goal. But if you're driving momentum and swinging the sh- and shifting the tides of the play, mm-hmm. that's going to mean something to your team for whenever those guys who will do all of those things fly over the boards five seconds later. Exactly. It's, it's the Reeves line in the first period because that's part of the reason why the Rangers dominated the first period is because the Reeves line could go out there and they didn't score. They didn't have any, really any opportunities on KC to Smith. But they kept the puck in the Penguins' zone, and they forced the Penguins to play defensively for 45 seconds, you know, 50 seconds at a time. And then their their big guns, Panarin, Zibanejad, they can come over the boards and face off against a, a tired Penguins team that has been on their heels the entire time. And the momentum especially, it, it, it is very important to have good shifts, even if you're not producing scoring opportunities in the playoffs. Um, let me just give a real quick shout out to Brian Rust. Three point game in game one after ending the regular season on a nine game scoring drought. That was no goals, no assists in nine games. He had played with Carter as his center, with Crosby as his center, with Malkin as his center, and he wasn't getting anything going. A goal and two assists, including the game-tying goal on the Penguins 5-on-3 in the second period. A good game for him, and as you could see after he scored that goal, even though he already had two assists on the game, what a relief for Brian Ross to put that in the back of the net. Oh, incredible stuff. 5-on-3 or not, it was an important goal. It was the game-tying goal mm-hmm. in the second period. Sure, we had a lot of time still, but uh, just the right guys need to produce at the right time. Yes. That's always what it's all about. Brian Rust. Uh, probably main one among them because of his drought heading into the postseason. Mm-hmm. So him kicking that schneid, getting that monkey off his back early is huge. Now the other other guys have to pick up that same sort of pace. Yeah. So we've talked for 20 minutes and haven't even gotten into basically the, the big storylines, the, the overtimes, everything. Casey DeSmith's first playoff start. Fantastic performance. 48 saves on 51 shots. And then all of a sudden, and this goes into the refereeing as well, the play has stopped dead randomly we don't know what for DeSmith smith skates over to the bench looking fine you see him talking to chris stewart and you're like that's weird 
you see him skate off the ice and you say, that's weird. And then you hear you see him limping. You see him limping and you're like, where did that come from? And then all of a sudden you hear Sean McDonough, who I hate to hear, but you hear Sean McDonough say, well, Louis Domingue is coming into this game. And you think, what? It is, sir, it is the middle of the second overtime. And they even said, this man hasn't even stretched out since 6.30 this evening, four and a half hours ago. Oh boy. And and you think immediately, oh, it's an offensive, it's a defensive zone faceoff. They get two shots within like four seconds. And DeSmith just, cal- or sorry, Deming just calmly swallows them up, stops play, and just goes about his day. He made 17 shots or 17 shaves on 17 shots. And he's pretty solid. The Penn's defense played really well in front of him, but he still not not many rebounds. The Penguins did a good job of just boxing everything out and making sure the shots came from outside the dots and from at the top of the, sh- the zone. And Deming did a good job to swallow everything, and he did everything he needed to do, even though he had spicy pork and broccoli between the first and second overtimes, thinking he wasn't going to come into the game. What a crazy situation for the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's baffling, and it has taken the city over. By oh my the way. god! White fun. So I love fun. the meme of him with the pie with an L in the crust. Oh, that's great! It's amazing. That's great, man. I hope those cookbook sales skyrocket. <laughs> yeah, he's saying um, sweet, and I might even get another contract. He's set for life now. Man, I, just the whole situation from dismiss skating off. Also, did you see the? I don't know if it was on if it was just the AT and T broadcast, but you can just see the look of pure confusion on Jeff Carter's face as dismiss skates past him. Because <laughs> they showed Jeff they cu- the the local feed then just cut to Jeff Carter's face and he's just standing there and you you can tell he's just watching dismiss skate past him. He just looks so confused of just where are you going? Yeah, and what is happening? And you just see, and I think it was Bob Arier someone said and just and louis domingue's going into this hockey game and the heart stopped oh across the city like what yeah because we're we're already watching dismiss we're already watching the guy we didn't want to see in this postseason and now it's he's the one going down yeah now it's our third string who rode the bus in the aho most of this year yeah. what's happening and he goes in immediately has to make a save by the way yeah pens lost that draw two seconds later there was a shot on net yeah uh, immediately has to make a save. Mm-hmm. We don't know about the pork and broccoli thing until the end, but so, <laughs> so be it. Good. I think that's just that adds so much more fun and just happiness and enjoyment to the situation. And a shout out to Mike DeFabo, who also went oh. and found that place, and he's like, "Oh gosh, it says it's all good on the wall," even though he said not good after the game. So, so I don't know if this is real or not, or how true this is. I, I didn't look into it. I just kind of heard it while driving into work. I guess the NHL isn't. Quote unquote from Andrew Filippone, so don't quote me. <laughs> uh, but the NHL is looking like investigating what the uh, Rangers were serving uh, the Penguins during intermission because in reality you are the host of the of an opposing team. You can't just throw laxatives in their food. I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not saying they did, but you get what I'm saying. Like you yeah. have that ability though because you're the host and you're the one providing. That sounds like a like a '90s storyline or like we got them pizza but we peed all over it or like something like exactly. That. Yeah, so I like first well, the second he said pork, uh, spicy pork and broccoli. I'm like, wait, don't teams usually just get like pizzas? Because I can remember usually. the triple overtime in Detroit. I mean, they probably just got Little Caesars made for them right there. Yeah. Um, Ken Reggett was on the fan also shortly after that investigation comment, saying he had pizzas during his four over four over four or five against overtime game Flyers. against Capitals. Capitals. The oh other yeah, one. there's so many. Yeah, we have quite a few. 
But he said they had pizzas there. So I, I don't know. They're in New York. They're like, trying to be fancy. And that, that was part of it, too. I was like, it's New York. I don't know what else I expected. And it might have just but been him. That, too, because Casper Captain said he had fruit. Yeah. So it may have just been him because, again, you are the back of goal. You're not exactly expecting that, despite his quote of you have to be ready at all times. Yeah. Which he's right. Talk to Brent Johnson, of all people. <laughs> you have to be ready at all times as a backup goalie, and that's exactly the situation that happened. Yeah. And just big shout-out to him for 17 saves later. Evgeny Malkin has a ridiculous tip in front and makes up for a very not good game that Malkin had. Uh, it was a very Evgeny Malkin game. See, I don't think he had an awful game. I think there was one thing in particular that stood out to everybody, and that was whenever it was a 2-2 game, the Penguins are on the power play, and he basically looked like his controller died at the point. Crosby won a faceoff. Sabanajad walked right around him. And then I saw somebody diving back into the play to try to get to Kreider, and I was like, oh, Malkin came back. And I was like, oh, no, that's Jake Gensel, who was 10 yards further away than Malkin when the play started, came back, and obviously great effort by Gensel to try to get back. I thought he bruised or broke his nose by the way he oh, dived yeah. down dove down onto the ice but like that was a bad look for Evgeny Malkin and then right after that he made the assist to Rust I thought he had a half decent game I don't think he was in the mode to take over the way that he normally did but I also think similar to Crystal Tang like Crystal Tang played 40 plus minutes in this game like these guys played very defensively responsible and that leads to the expected goals for in each period if you look at it and I posted this on Twitter right after the game I said the first period which was the Penguins seemingly worst period they still had 45% of the expected goals but then it was 89% in period number two a period in which they won what was it three to one they outscored them or three to two or something like that nonetheless they outperformed the Rangers heavily in the second period Third period, it was 68%, which is still ridiculous. The first overtime was 39%, but it was very low event. And then it was 61% in OT2 and 77% in OT3. The Penguins outplayed the Rangers vastly at 5-on-5 for five or four of six periods. And it's not even that it was close. It was the fact that when the Penguins won them, they won it by a lot. When they lost, they lost by a little. Yeah, yeah. And you're right. Latang played 46 minutes. That is, how much, what was the time on ice? 44s for, 44-28, exactly, for both Adam Fox and Calandre Miller. Four more minutes, two more minutes uh, than anybody else on the ice aside from goalies. And eight more minutes than Mike Matheson did, who was second on the Penguins in ice time. Matheson also had a really good game. Yes. So, damn. Chris Latane needs to chill. Take a break, man. Yeah. But... I don't know. He gets it. But, yeah, just absolutely incredible stuff all around. And the Domingue stuff's not going to stop, especially now that Dorio did get called up yep. from Wheeling. Um, I haven't looked for updates. It's only 10 o'clock. I doubt there will be any new anything new on – Maybe uh, a morning skate that DeSmith shows up at. But other than that, I mean, they're day-to-day. Everybody's yeah. day-to-day, and that's what you're going to get from Mike Sullivan. I don't even think you're going to get game-time decision for anybody That's, anymore yeah. I th- he's he's not tipping his hand to Gerard Gallant he's just going to say day to day you don't know who's going to come out there and if you're basically going to have to pay attention to who's in, in full full contact who's practicing hard and, and yesterday that was Jason Zucker which we'll get to in, in a bit but realistically I mean we've gone through basically this whole game I have a couple other notes but when it ended I was it took me a second like I didn't have a, a, a like crazy reaction initially because I was, like, dead on the couch. 
I was sitting there like, this game is not going to end. Both teams were playing it so safe. Igor Shosturkin was a wall the entire game. I mean, the guy made 79 saves on 83 shots. The second most saves in any NHL game behind Jonas Corposalo. You already mentioned that game between the Columbus Blue Jackets and the, the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. What I find interesting is that also makes the Penguins the team that had the second most shots in an NHL game in NHL history. That Columbus game was five overtimes. Yeah, This Penguins it, game was two and a half, and they were five shots short. That's how dominant the Penguins were once overtime kicked in. Realistically, once the first period ended, they were throwing everything but the kitchen sink at Igor Shosturkin, and he was just carrying that team's carcass through the last half plus of that game. Yeah, because how many shots on goal did the Rangers have in total? I think, like, well, what was it, 51? 68. Yeah, 68. So it was 83 68 to 68. To 83. Oh, man. Yeah, that's damn impressive. Uh, not a single... Yeah, not a single skater on both teams failed to record a point. Just, or or uh, a shot on goal. Yeah. Um, just exactly how it should be when a game goes that long. Yes. And what do Shesterkin and the other goalie? His backup, Georgiev? No, the... Corpus Allo have in common. Those big numbers came in losses, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. You know what your defense has to do sometime? Shut it down. Yeah. What did the Penguins defense do last the other night? Shut, Shut it down. It down. Yeah. Especially with their third string going. Uh, and that. And it's not an update, but it just does look like Frank Cervalli said uh, that for both Raquel and, and uh, DeSmith. DeSmith, all signs just point to them not playing. Um, Domingue's going to start game two likely because of called up backup Alex Dorio um whereas also he gave a little progress on Jari which is he's out of the walking boot yeah and could still return in round one yeah we'll we'll talk about all the injury stuff in segment number two but it is an encouraging sign for Tristan Jari based on what we heard from Sullivan and from that report from Frank Saravalli of the Daily Faceoff I believe is 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 who he is for sorry yeah he's with the Daily Faceoff I thought so but um nonetheless uh Props to Igor Shesterkin. The Penguins did beat him four times, which is the same amount of times they beat him in all four regular season games. But still, it wasn't easy for them. And we'll talk about that a little bit more going forward as to what we need to see from the Penguins. Uh, I do want to, lastly, before we move on, because this has been a very long and, and lengthy game review. Well, so was, the, so was the game itself. So was the game, so it's apropos. But Evan Rodriguez... Kasperi Kapanen and John Marino, gold stars all around. Like I mentioned it to you and I posted it on Twitter. I said, listen, Evan Rodriguez didn't do anything ridiculous. He didn't do anything that's going to be, you know, phoning home about. He's not going to be on SportsCenter for any of the plays he made. But I can count on one finger the mistakes that he made. And the only mistake that he made was one time when the puck came out from the back of the Penguins net. He tried to shuffle it towards Casey DeSmith and almost shuffled it into the back of the net. But other than that... He was steady as it goes. Every time it touched his stick, he was going to make the right play. It's not that he just, you know, got beat and, and dumped it in. He made the right play. He sent it in the perfect corner. Everybody was able to get a change. He held on to the puck the perfect amount of time. He got shots on goal. He was really effective. And I know it might sound like I was focusing on him particularly, but I, I wasn't. It was just the fact that every time he touched the puck and it took until like midway through the third period, I was like, 
Evan Rodriguez has played a very solid game. And the same goes for Kapanen, who was thrust into that second line role. And John Marino, who was just absolutely brutalized in the first period, yet made all the right plays in the world up until and including that triple overtime shot on goal that led to the Penguins having this 1-0 series lead. Yeah. <laughs> I had focus on them. I definitely, I mean, I wasn't able to watch the whole game, but uh, I was. I planned on focusing on those two at least for the first two games, just because it is massively important that those two turn their game around and return to their old form. Again, like I said, I wrote a story for this at Sports Illustrated. Mm -hmm. It's the way both of those guys at one point used to be just key contributors on this team. Yeah. Kapanen's was last season, though. Mm -hmm. So his is a little harder to come by, but still, he had 30 points. No, 30 points in 40 games? Something stupid like that. Who, Rodriguez? Uh, Kapanen last season. Yeah, something like close to that, yeah. Something around that. That's really good. And he was injured and missed the beginning of the season. In a shortened season. That's the kind of stuff we wanted to see this year and we didn't get it. Then like how many times I had to mention, Evan Rodriguez was automatic yeah. at the beginning of the year. He's got he's done nothing since then. Yeah. He's gotta refine that game if this team wants to be good. So does Kasperi Kaplan. If this team wants if those two start contributing, game over for everyone. I don't yeah. care who's in front of us. Because Sure, the Lightning were able to come back and win against Toronto. They looked bad in game one against Toronto. Yeah. We know Toronto is Toronto. Florida, are you kidding me, Florida? Are you <laughs> kidding me? Yeah. I can run down. I'm not scared of anyone in this league anymore if those two can pick it up. Yeah. And if you can, if you continue to get the performances that you got from Crosby and Gensel in, in game one, now, too. That's also saying hopefully Jari's back soon because yeah. I am still a little faulty because Louis Domingue, as much of a, an angel as he was to come into that game, and co and collect the victory, his first career playoff victory in his second career playoff game, um, huge. If he is able to hold on, if if we're able to somehow squeak out a win tonight oh my with Louis Domingue and Net, yeah, full all hell's breaking loose in Game Three. Yeah, all hell is breaking loose in Game Three. Yeah, no, it, it was a, it was a crazy win. It was an important win, as you outlined in your story of yes. Sports Illustrated and on on the podcast here today. It just you know, they've lost all three of the past three seasons in the first round, but they also lost in overtime in game one. It did not happen this year. Good win for the Penguins that are up 1-0 in the series. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, let's talk about game two, because tonight, Pens-Rangers game two, just as important as it was on Tuesday evening. We'll get to that right after the break. What's going on, hockey fans? The pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter the outcome. Whether they win or lose, you're a winner. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more it's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Make sure to use promo code THPN and bet just $5 on any NHL team to win to get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. 
Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We talked about Game 1 for a long time, but Game 1 was a long game nonetheless. Triple overtime, it feels like, and I texted you midway through the, I think, the second overtime. I said, can we just say whoever wins this game just wins the series? Like, it feels like we've played three games in this series, and the Penguins are up 3-0, but realistically, it is a one-game lead. And that doesn't, in the grand scheme of things, it's important to get out to a good start, especially on the road, but it's one game. It's the same thing as you mentioned. Toronto won 5 to nothing in game one. Guess what? They're tied going back to Tampa. It is one game, and you got to shut it down, forget about it, no matter what side of the coin you're on, and get ready for game two, and that is going to be later tonight. Of course, the big question mark for the Pittsburgh Penguins, injuries. And we'll start with the goaltenders as you were starting to talk about it last segment. Penguins goaltending situation is a little scary. They're not the only team in the playoffs, but it is a little scary looking at it. Casey DeSmith injured in the last game. It doesn't seem like he's going to be back in this one as they did call up Alex DeOrio from the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Tristan Jari also making his way back day to day. Called up from wheeling. He called up from Oh, they didn't take anybody from interesting. Yeah, well, both well both not to like uh, derail the conversation. Both of those teams, Wheeling and uh, Wilkes-Barre, are in the playoffs yeah. and are both, I think, in the second round now. Um, Wheeling definitely is. Wheeling definitely is because I saw that they update. Beat the comments. Yeah, I I don't know about about uh, Wilkes-Barre, but they're both in the postseason. Yeah. So I don't know if maybe I mean you also have to remember who the uh, AHL goalies are right now. Lindbergh may not have he might not have NHL contracts because this wasn't this an is, emergency. Call this up. is the only NHL contract for a goaltender that they have. Exactly. Yeah. So they, they may have had no other choice but to take him because Lindbergh doesn't have an NA full or partial NHL contract, and I forget the other name down there Joel already. Joel Blomqvist is, is over. I thought they released him from the ATO, or did they sign him after that? I saw they released the ATO. Oh, I, I don't know. I must have missed something like that. I don't know. Regardless, Regardless. Dorio is the, the only NHL contract we had to call up. So yeah. after this, it will be an emergency from someone. Yeah, and, and there was a time... In that overtime where they're like, yeah, um, whatever his name is, something it's like Reed Richardson or something like yes. that is is the uh, is the emergency backup goalie in New York for the Rangers. And I was sitting there thinking, man, Deming, and I'm gonna knock on wood before I even have this thought come out of my mouth. But Deming got injured two different times this year, and not to mention that in practice right before the playoffs, he took a shot off like the elbow or something, and it looked like he was he was injured by that as well didn't amount into anything it was just kind of maybe like a stinger or like got him in the wrong spot and felt weird but i was like please no like the last thing that anybody wants to see no offense to the david ayers of the world the last thing that anybody wants to see is a emergency backup goalie in triple overtime of a stanley yeah. cup playoff game mm-hmm. and for what it's worth it is reed robertson robertson of- of Division Three, Manhattanville College. Manhattanville. Is, yes. Oh my. He is from Plano, Texas. He's six six, by the way. He's taking uh, up space. Yeah, senior and uh, majors in business management. He's bigger than Casey Smith. <laughs> yes, and Louis Domingue, I think. Yeah, that's a large. Um, but, yeah, but so he's a big guy in that. You got that going. Bob Ariel, love him. Yeah, but uh, we won't get to see him because. Uh, Dorio is called up. Well, yeah, we, we hope to three. not see him. We hope to not see him, yes. When I heard that um, name, Reed Robertson, you said, right? 
Yes. I was thinking of, and I know you're not a superhero fan, I was like, well, it'd be better if it was Reed Richards, who I'm pretty sure is the guy from Fantastic Four. Um, okay. So I was like, yeah, because he can, like, extend, and he, he's like Elastigirl in Fantastic Four. I was like, that would be better because, you know, he, he has the like, extensions, but he, he is 6'6", six, six, so he kind of has that going for him anyway. But nonetheless, uh, the updates, like we said in the first segment, all day-to-day for everybody involved, not just the goaltenders. But it is encouraging that Tristan Jari is not yet back on the ice, but he is continuing to rehab off the ice. And as you mentioned, Sarah Valley said he's out of the walking boot. The normal length for a broken bone is four to six weeks is what I heard. And today is three weeks to the day that he got injured. So week to week. Week to week was what the initial prognosis. Day to day is now the prognosis. I still think that my initial thoughts from a couple days ago when I said probably game five is when I think that is going to be the earliest that you're going to see him. If it's earlier, I love being wrong in that instance. If it is later, then I'm going to hate being wrong. But nonetheless, I do think that around game five is when we're going to actually start to see Tristan Jari getting ready to potentially make that return. Well, for what it's worth, if it is game five, we know we'll get a game five. At least. If not... If not, we know that's round two. Yeah. Well, right? Let's build some confidence, boys. Yeah. If, if you're not at game five, then you're already in the second round. And at that point, he should be fine. He's done it. He should be he fine. Done it, yeah. But uh, nonetheless, it is still a precarious position for the Pittsburgh Penguins. We'll see what happens with Louis Domingue in game two. He will get the start. Alex DeOrio will be the backup. And hey, whatever his name is, Robertson, he'll be waiting in the wings eating some spicy pork and broccoli hoping they get his chance to get into an NHL playoff game. Other injuries, Ricard Raquel, obviously upper body, obviously a head injury. Being considered day-to-day, still being evaluated, I would genuinely be surprised if he returns at any point in this series. I think so too. And I think the problem is, and the reason they can't give a, a, a better prognosis, I said you're not going to get anything but day-to-days from for Mike Sullivan, I think you're going to get probably week to week from Ricard Raquel is the same time. Whenever you get a leg injury or anything based on a blunt force trauma, your head or whatever area is injured swells up and you have to wait for the swelling to go down to actually see what damage was done. And I think that's what they're waiting for with Ricard Raquel. Yeah. It's not ideal yeah. um, at all. And it's, he was supposed to be a key to this, to this postseason too. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, listen, there is a drop off in my opinion, from Ricard Raquel to Jason Zucker, who we'll talk about in a little bit, but you really would have liked to see Raquel be able to, like, it's good that Kapanen was able to step in and do what he did in game one, but Raquel is, is was so good for the Penguins since he came over in that trade, and you just hope to, to hopefully see him play again, not only that, but hope that he's okay enough to play again, and that he is he's not severely injured, is, is what it looked like. Yeah. I mean, when you need help off, that's the first bad step. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Not ideal for Ricardo Cal. He was supposed to be a huge piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be important. That could be important. Yeah, Jason Zucker is returning, but still. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about Jason Zucker. He returned to an optional practice for yesterday, but in a full contact jersey. He was taking contact, and usually what that means is he is on the verge of returning to the lineup. He did get that practice in, which... Speaks to the fact that he might be in for game two tonight, which would help out the Pittsburgh Penguins and not have to... I mean, I like Drew O'Connor, but I would rather have Jason Zucker back in the lineup to fill in that role, especially when it's Raquel, a top six guy, going out. So Zucker could return tonight. If not, we fully expect him back by at least game three on Saturday. What does Jason Zucker add 
to the lineup for this series? Um, I would say the same amount of the same stuff that Raquel could have added. Just that step of speed that is going to be above a Brian Boyle. The shot abil- the shooting ability that for the Penguins are going to need, especially with Jason Zucker. We know he has that shot. You have to find ways past Sturkin, and I think Zucker's going to be a guy that can do it. We've been I've been calling for the emergence and the re the refining of game from Jason Zucker since his big long injury. Um, only for him to come back, get hurt again immediately. Uh, only for him to come back again, mm-hmm. pr- produce, and then get hurt again. Um, I think what he brings to the table is another level of that scoring ability. And just now that it's the postseason, I mean, like I said, I've been calling for his return to form for a while. Mm-hmm. Now that it's the postseason, amp it up a little more. Yeah, He has to ha- find an extra level to that return. So the revenge tour needs to be back on after multiple delays. Mm -hmm. That's for damn sure. That's what I'd say he definitely brings to this table. The big thing for the Penguins for their success in game one was their forecheck. They pressured Adam Fox. They pressured Ryan Lindgren. They pressured Ke'Andre Miller. And that stifled the New York Rangers zone exits. And that's what turned the tide in the Penguins' favor. Jason Zucker is one of the best forecheckers and one of the most tenacious forecheckers on the Penguins' roster. Getting him back is only going to help that forecheck that is so integral to the Pittsburgh Penguins winning this series. Not only that, we talked about the Penguins injuries, but on the other side of things, Ryan Lindgren did leave the game, and so did Ke'Andre Miller. Ke'Andre Miller didn't play in the third overtime. If neither of those guys are in, then you get guys like Justin Braun in in there, and you can really take advantage of that forecheck because these defensemen are not known for being as great of puck movers as a guy like Andre Miller is. And Lindgren and Fox have been together for so long, that throws Fox off his game a little bit too. So that, matched with the return of a guy like Jason Zucker, is a really big advantage for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Not only that, but when I look at where Jason Zucker does his best work, it's in front of the net. The Penguins scored three of their four goals in Game 1 within five feet of Igor Shosturkin. You don't think Zucker is going to be sniffing around Shosturkin trying to find garbage goals? That's where I think he's going to be able to excel in this series because the Rangers cannot clear out the net front and Jason Zucker is a tough, tough customer when it comes to getting into those areas and when it comes to being tenacious on the forecheck. I think that's a huge advantage for the Penguins if Zucker is able to return tonight, if not on Saturday in Game 3. He also just has to remain healthy now. Yeah, that's a big thing. So, I'm excited. I'm back to being excited again. (laughs) Despite injury luck, you know what? The, a defense will tighten up in front of a backup def, backup goalie. Mm-hmm. They'll tighten up a little more in front of a third stringer. I think we already saw it. Yeah, seventeen shots and about seventeen minutes of play doesn't you know exactly lend its hand to that. But you got to look at where the shots were from, though. Yeah, yeah. Keeping them outside, Domingue's looked good. That the glove being on the offhand does that come at you've played hockey? Does that like change the mindset of a shooter at all? Weirdly enough, I don't know if it's some weird Western Pennsylvania vibe. I've never played a goalie. That caught with his left hand, or sorry, with, right. his, with his right hand, catches right, with his right, right hand. Yeah. And I wouldn't know, uh, but I do know it is a little bit different. I mean, when you're trying to shoot glove side, it changes the mechanics of everything. So Suddenly it's a rebound, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I, I don't know how much that's going to change for these guys because they're NHL caliber players. Um, it's going to be an adjustment, but I'm sure it's one that is specifically like guys like Zabenejad, Kreider, uh, Panarin, who, listen... He, people can say that he kind of melted back into the background. I was 
petrified every second Artemi Panarin had the puck in those overtimes. I bet. His vision yeah. and ability to pass the puck is so underrated in the National Hockey League. He was setting up people left and right, and probably, in my opinion, in those overtimes, the Rangers' most dangerous weapon. Yeah, it's that's so scary, and it doesn't matter what doesn't matter what side the gloves on. He's going to find a way over it. Yes, yeah, no one. Yeah, it's Artemi Panarin. He, he's a guy that just does things because he's one of the greatest hockey players in the world. But let's quickly before we head to our shoutouts and callouts to get all our grievances off of our chest, our weekly dose of Festivus, if you will. Let's talk about the keys moving forward for the Pittsburgh Penguins, not only in Game Two tonight, but in the rest of this series against the New York Rangers. For me. The first one, and I have two, the first one has got to be better defensive zone awareness. It's something that I saw throughout majority of regulation. In overtimes, I thought they buttoned it up really nicely. But in regulation, a lot of the times the Penguins were losing track of guys in the defensive zone, and stuff like that just cannot happen. There's three instances and players that I, I outlined specifically. Brian Dumlin early on was losing guys left and right. There were people getting opportunities in front of the net. Dumlin looked like he was out the lunch in the first period. Luckily, he buttoned it down. Brian Boyle on the second goal for the New York Rangers, the Andrew Kopp goal, I don't know where he was looking. He went to the point to try to take away that pass and let Andrew Kopp slide right into the slot. You got to let them shoot that point shot, even though that's where they scored their first goal from. It opened up such a lane that most players, let alone a guy with the skill level of Andrew Kopp, is going to be able to score. And the third guy, and this time, this one, most egregiously, Jeff Carter. I, I think he had an awful game one. I, I really do. When I said guys like Evan Rodriguez did a lot of the right things, Jeff Carter, to me, I didn't see a lot of good things from him. I saw a lot of poor defensive awareness in the defensive zone. And I saw a lot of poor puck awareness just all over the ice. It was not a good game for big Jeff Carter. And I think that that's something that really needs to be buckled down for the entire team, better defensive zone awareness. If they can do it like they did in overtime, they're good. If they do it like they did in, in a lot of regulation, it gives me a little pause because that's when the Rangers get really good opportunities. Yeah, I think that'd be my biggest adjustment too is just tightening it up defensively. You're about to have your third string goalie in there. You're going to have your ECHL call up on the bench. You have to play it safe now, especially in the, in the net. Don't get me wrong. Louis Domingue is an NHL caliber goalie, or at least he was at one point. Do I need to bring up... Uh, 2018 again 2018-19 2018-19 do I have to do that again for you guys again I get it he was behind the record breaking uh, Tampa Bay Lightning um, because the underlying numbers of that season aren't the greatest for him but yeah no he was carried the fact, to that record yeah but the fact that he was able to carry be carried to a 21-5 and record for a backup yeah I can remember conversations being legitimately had of if his record should give him Vesna votes that year <laughs> Yeah. Looking at looking at twenty six games played, 25, 21 wins. Yeah, you know what? That's there's a, a conversation to be had there. Yeah, for what it's worth. And what do I always say about backup goaltenders? I don't need you to be Igor Shesterkin. I need you to give the team a chance to win. He, yep. Louis Dominguez has made a career of doing that. Yeah, and he can do it again. He has the opportunity to do it again. Yeah. <sighs> it's frightening. Yes, but. Uh, the biggest adjustment is going to be just making sure those shots stay outside, that he's able to see the pucks in front of him, mm-hmm. and that maybe he can eat a little healthier and <laughs> maybe a little more on his game. But you know what? It, Not be holding back made, massive diarrhea the entire time he's in the game? Yeah, and then maybe the <laughs> NHL investigation that I've been rumored to hear can uh, oh pull through. But I don't know. It's 
I'm in, I was impressed with his play regardless. I just uh, want to not be shaking in my boots every time the uh, Rangers are in the zone. Yeah, and I think that's what he provides, luckily enough. Uh, the other thing that I would like to see going forward, I think it's a big adjustment for the Pittsburgh Penguins, is to continue to hammer home at the net front. I think they did it a little bit in game number one, hence the reason they scored three out of their four goals within five feet of Igor Shesterkin, including Malkin's triple overtime winner. But you really, that's the only way you're going to beat this guy. The only goal that went in on a, off basically a straight shot coming into the zone and shooting was Jake Gensel, and he was even like eight, feet away but he just was in all alone and made a really good goal scorer's goal plus you gotta keep the rangers to the outside they did it in overtime if they can do that moving forward i know it's it's easier said than done it's a tough style to play sitting in front of the net front but the rangers are poor at keeping people away from the front of the net if they're down two defensemen that's going to make it even worse for them and that's the only way you're going to beat a guy that's playing the way that igor sesterkin's playing so continue to hammer home the net front as well rip those shots on goal yep 83 is an impressive number, despite how many periods it is. That's an impressive number. And you pace that out to five and a half periods or so? What is that? I think they had over 110 shot attempts. That's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's the kind of thing that needs to be replicated every game. Yep. 100%. Regardless of how good or bad the shots are for you. I get that on the opposite end, you want their shots to come from outside. But, hey, you know what? Your shots from the outside, too. They're, they're All shots are good in the playoffs. Yes. 100%. I mean... In the playoffs, especially you get into the overtimes, they talked about it extensively on, on the broadcast. You get into the overtimes like that, any shot can go in. You knew it wasn't going to be a dazzling Michigan goal whenever you're in the third overtime. It was going to be, it's going to get thrown in the net, it's going to hit something weird, and it's going to go in the back. That's how it's going to end. So, we're excited for game two. We're excited for the rest of the series. We're excited because it's the playoffs, people. The Stanley Cup playoffs. It's the greatest two weeks in my mind. In all of sports, the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, it continues tonight for the Penguins in Game 2 against the New York Rangers, 7 o'clock on TNT. We're going to take a quick break here on TOTIV, and when we come back, shout-outs and call-outs to finish this show. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use the promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and even better opportunities. I believe, and you would have heard this if you're listening to the podcast version in the first commercial break, I believe it is a $5 bet nets you $100 in free bets, no matter if the team you bet on wins or loses. That's a great deal. Like, if you're just getting started, that's a great way to build it up, and then you can play with house money. That's a lot of fun. So, again, promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Horat, let's do some shout-outs and call-outs. I don't know how many of yours center around the NHL playoffs. I know I have one in the playoffs and one that you're not going to really give a shit about. So I'll start with the one you don't give a shit about, and that's my shout-out. I'm shouting out Oscar Isaac. The guy put on the performance of a lifetime in Marvel's Moon Knight. 
Episode 6, the season finale aired on Wednesday. I watched it. My biggest question was, can they land this plane? Can they close this series? I'm sure it's not going to be the close of the series. I'm sure there's going to be a season 2. Could they close this season off and make it my favorite Marvel Disney Plus show yet? And they did. It, that is number one for me. I know you haven't watched any of them, but for the Marvel fans that also follow this podcast, Moon Knight's number one for me. Loki's number two. WandaVision's number three. That's how I rank the top three, but I, I really liked Oscar Isaac's performance in this one. 10 out of 10 would recommend the fact that, you know, he played a guy with DID. Uh, I can't remember what it stands for now. Uh, something identity. It's an identity disorder where basically you have a couple identities living within yourself mentally. The way that he was able to play Two entirely different people, especially in that last episode when it bounced back and forth so much, it was encapsulating on screen. I really enjoyed that performance, and I really thought that he really took it to another level, and he said he did a real good and real deep character study for this one, and it, it was it was right on. It, it's not your cut-and-dry superhero storyline. It was actually very, very unique and different, and I loved it. Method acting. Basic. I mean, I don't know if it was method acting, but he, it was a deep character study for him. And, and, you know, the twist at the end, if you haven't seen it, I won't spoil it. But we're going to get Oscar Isaac performances for at least another season. It's going to be ridiculous. Method acting can be dangerous, especially when it's a role like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think Heath Ledger's taught us all that method acting can be dangerous sometimes. But anyway. Jim Carrey as well. Yeah. He lost his uh, mind there for a couple of years. Yeah. I think he's starting to retire soon, too. But anyway, uh, it's always fun learning about stuff that I don't know anything about. I've heard that name before, though, um, Oscar Isaac, so it's entertaining. That being said, let's switch it to hockey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For my shout-out, or, yeah, for my shout-out, it has to be Louis Domingue, does it not? Yeah. Does it not have to be? It just has to be. We talked about it. We don't need to go too much further into detail. Um, but it's his net now, for, for the time being, it looks like. Yeah. Um, because uh, I don't want to give it to Alex Dorio, who's never played an NHL game in his life. Can we call and... Maxime Lagasse back? <laughs> no, but the AHL Penguins did just sign someone to a PTO in net. Okay, so, hey, there we go. Options, um, baby. Keep the options open. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I'm just shouting out Louis just because it has to be. Yeah, he, he's the king domain in the city right now. <laughs> uh, Louis Legend, whatever you want to call it. Um. All eyes are going to be on him in Broadway on Broadway uh, tonight. Mm-hmm. And uh, under the bright lights, let's see how it goes. We got a series lead. It's, it's an important game, no less. But we're playing with a little touch of house money with a 1-0 lead. Yes. Yeah, it's always nice to play from out front. So I, I love that as well. You know, King Deming, Lord Louie, whatever you need to call him. Gotta love, uh, gotta love the storyline there. It's one of the best storylines at the beginning of the Stanley Cup playoffs. That is chock full of them. Uh, a similar, yeah, situ- yeah, similar situation to the Pittsburgh Penguins happening down in Carolina. Freddie Anderson, the starter, missing the start of the postseason, still trying to come back from that. Auntie Ranta gets absolutely truck-sticked by David Pasternak. So then you get the rookie, Pyotr Kochetkov, or Kochetkov, or however you say it. Pyotr was in net. He played a fantastic game against the Boston Bruins. The, the Hurricanes go up 2-0 in that series, but that's not who I'm calling out. I'm calling out Brad Marchand. My guy, stop being such a piss baby. He goes after Kochikov. He slashes him in the shoulder or whatever you have it. This guy cannot be helped, really. I mean, he wakes up in the morning and somebody, like, pissed in his Wheaties every single day. I don't know what is wrong with this guy going after goaltenders. Realistically, their entire 
organization and going after goaltenders. But the Hurricanes are down to their third string. That was an awful play by David Posternak. I'd have to watch it again, but it didn't look like it was impossible for him to get out of the way of Auntie Ranta. He punched him in the face. Yeah, it was not good. It didn't (laughs) look good. And then took his leg out. And then took his leg out. And, you know, honestly, I don't want to say it's kind of sweet justice, but Andrei Svechnikov absolutely laid a legal hit on Hampus Lindholm unfortunate to see the way, I mean, Lindholm was out like Raquel was out, so you hope for the best for him. But when you're going to start stuff like that, the way that the, the Bruins did, you know it's going to get physical. And Svechnikov laid the lumber on Lindholm, snapped his stick in half. And then that one, to me, it was similar to the, the, the Rangers hit on Raquel. But I, I'd i have to watch it again. Like I said, I didn't get to see too much of it. But it looked like a much more legal hit. It looked like his skates were on the ice. It looked like he didn't extend, and it was the shoulder, and the primary point of contact was the chest and elbow uh, of Hampus Lindholm. But honestly, it's getting very physical across the entirety, especially at the Eastern Conference, which is surprising, but the entirety of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and the Bruins are, are doing Bruins things and doing some stuff a little bit uh, a little bit undesirably. But nonetheless, I still have my... Uh, I guess I still have my faith in them to win this series because... You know, I had Bruins in seven, and as I always like to say, a playoff series does not start until a team loses at home. Well, you see here. They haven't. They can come back, win two games at home, all of a sudden it's 2-2. Series does not truly begin until a team loses at home, which happened a lot already in the playoffs, but it has not happened in in that one. So what was that, just conversation we were having after the shout-out? That's my call-out. All Brad, right, I like, I missed... my call is Brad Marchand. I did throw that in there. Oh little, yeah, yeah, you did quietly, that. but you know, so much. Other How about that effing save? You know, yeah. No, I mean, my call out. I mean, I could call. There's so many things I could call out. You're right, <laughs> Marchand up there, mm-hmm. uh, Rock himself for just being an a hole. Uh, teams that still decide to wear their third jerseys in the playoffs. I still don't like that. Edmonton. I. Edmonton, Carolina? Yeah, but I, mean, I like Carolina's. The fact is, they do that every year. It's not just a one-off. They've done that every year for the past, what, three, four years? I know, but I still don't like it. The Penguins did it, and I didn't like it. I don't know. You also just didn't like we, the Penguins jersey. No, I did. That's Oh, last year. Yeah, I forgot the about last jersey. Year. Yeah, last year I didn't like it. I was talking about our Cup one in 16, when we also did They were it. also going to that was, full-time. Yeah, so there was a there was a bit of a, a reach there, but yeah. I still, I mean, I don't know. That's just me. Um, also, the fact that we won the cup in our Vegas gold and the banner is yellow. Anyway, yeah, um, OCD. But I'm actually going to call out something that happened. Not happened, but is going to continue to happen because they're not going to change anything because if I said it off the ice. Um, Sportsnet, Sportsnet's broadcast um, because I have to watch on uh, streams because Same. ESPN Plus is weird. Yeah. Have you noticed that their intermission talk happens at a round table? And you don't see everyone's face. It's, I think it's trying to be more conversational. I haven't really. I mean, I watched the Toronto game a little bit last night, but during the intermissions, I also had to work for my other job. So yeah, but guess what? It's more conversational to them and them only. Whenever they cut to the outside shot, and you just see you see the four of them sitting at this oval shaped table. Mm-hmm. They're all facing each other, and you see two of their backs. Yeah. What What is this TV? Also. They don't put up lower thirds to name who these people are. <laughs> they they don't. They did a betting segment, because I usually watch this stuff on mute and have other things going on in the background. They did a betting segment, and I'm like, who are these two? They never put up a lower third. I t- didn't take my eyes off the screen the entire time. I'm yeah. waiting for a name to pop up. 
Is that not the first thing they taught us in broadcast? You gotta identify who's talking. Edit in those names. Mm-hmm. Now I get maybe you know who Elliot Friedman is. You know who Jeff Merrick I, I is. Jeff Merrick or McLean, Don McLean, Ron McLean, Ron McLean. Ron McLean. You know maybe you know who they are. You still put it up. I didn't notice it during the intermission stuff if they put it up or not, but I did specifically notice during that betting segment where I knew neither of those two nerds. <laughs> they didn't put a name up. They didn't put a name right. up, and I went, that's like rule number one yeah. in broadcast editing, is you get that lower third in there, yeah. so you know who's talking. No. Now, again, I get they're not going to see this and change it, but I didn't like that. I went to school for this shit. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, if you notice, we have, we it. have it. It's over here. It's Our right low production here. value stream, it's not low production value. Actually, I love StreamYard, but nonetheless, we have it constantly, because no one knows, like, if somebody just tuned into this, video on youtube which by the way tip of the iceberg podcast on youtube we're posting a lot more now if somebody tuned into this and had never seen or heard our podcast before they'd say who are these two schmucks and they're still going to see our names and say who are those two schmucks but at least they can look up who they who we are yeah and it's it, we also have to have it here because we're both named nick and we've heard noah try and talk to us it gets confusing yeah, he says well nick that's really good and we go huh but one of one of us is straight up not paying attention and go huh yeah <laughs> uh but yeah you put the lower third in and it just the round table where it's a literal round table and you can't see two of their faces. And again, I don't know who the faces are. Yeah. I, I get confused. Um, now, I did see that they also do have the long table facing the camera. Good. They, 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 that's what you should have all times. You can look at... T- like, it's not about how people are sitting if you want to make it feel conversational. It's about what you're talking about and how entertaining you're being while you're talking. Yeah. Look at TNT. Basketball. I, I oh my god, it. that's the, exactly. It's gotten so even, much better. Like, like it's always great, but like in the yeah. playoffs, it's like on overdrive. I will. I don't need to watch basketball. I'll just watch it. I'll just watch intermissions, half times, just to watch Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal just talk to each other. Yeah. Not even make fun of it. Just talk to each other. Yeah. Um, like they make it entertaining. And what's even better is whenever they stick the four of them, three former basketball players, and another guy who's six two at a tiny playoff desk yeah then it gets really entertaining because you just see body parts hanging out from the side of the desk (laughs) um but it's not about how you're sitting or how you're oriented or it's not even really about lower thirds it is about the content you're talking about how entertaining you're being um and again i'm watching it on mute so i don't know how entertaining they're being but it doesn't look fun yeah and i don't know who these people are so Maybe Sportsnet can figure that out if they hear this. At least put lower thirds on, please. Well, please. Well, tonight for the Penguins game, you'll have Biz Nasty, Rick Tockett, maybe Wayne Gretzky in there, along with Liam McHugh, who I, I've really enjoyed Liam in this new role. I think that they're letting him do a lot more stuff. Um, and it is only year one for both ESPN and TNT back in this, so you have to imagine they're going to make some adjustments and make some improvements. But nonetheless, I mean... Hell, the one thing that bothers me is I watched so many games. They said they had over a thousand out of market games on ESPN Plus this regular season. I probably watched at least like two to three hundred games that were not Penguins games. Not to mention the fact that I got every other Penguins game because I would just throw these things on. And sometimes, which would be great in the postseason, you could do a four screen so easily. Split screen, four screen. Now I can't because everything's on ESPN, ESPN 2 waiting for ESPN yeah. 8 the show by next year. And then also on TNT and TBS, which is what's going to happen tonight. Also, I know we're going a bit long here, but the fact that TNT is still going out there today and posting things that says the playoffs begin tonight on TNT. It's like they began four days ago. Can you please just change your verbiage? Cause that is horrendous. 
teams are already up two nothing. Teams are already up one one or tied one one. Only one, only one series that went up two nothing, and that was the Carolina series. Oh yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't, you just can't do that, especially because you. I mean, it's hockey. You're you are only gonna have your diehardest of diehard people watching anymore. Uh, well, no playoffs, everybody watches. I reverse that. Yeah. Um. Regardless, you come on now. Mm-hmm. People are gonna tune into TNT and be like, ah, oh, it's playoffs started tonight. Cool, game one. This is game three. This is, this is yeah. This says Penguins lead one. What do you? There's a triple overtime game. You said today it started tonight. I know you may have missed the most entertaining game of the playoffs. It's definitely already. the biggest, most storylines so far. Yeah, so much could happen if that was just day one. Well, that was day two, but if that was just game one, strap in. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be crazy, but. Nonetheless, that is going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Tonight, Game 2, Saturday night, Game 3 at PPG Paints Arena. So let's see those Penguins fans get out and get rowdy for Game 3. Hopefully the Pittsburgh Penguins will have a 2-0 series lead. And we'll talk about it on Monday's episode of the Tip of the Iceberg while we preview Monday night's Game Number 4. Again, hopefully the Penguins are up 3 to nothing. It would make it a very pleasant experience. But nonetheless, we will be here. We'll be breaking down all the action, breaking down all the storylines. And if you want more from us in the meantime, the website's launched. SI.com slash NHL slash Penguins or at InsideThePenguins.com. Our writing is coming out fast. It's coming out furious. It is... It launched yesterday, and we each have, I think, three or four articles out already. So I, I think I have three, too. But nonetheless, a lot of content coming your way. Thank you so much for everybody that has supported us up to this point and that will hopefully continue to support us as we go forward. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We'll see you guys on Monday. Have a great weekend, Penguins fans. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.